What's going on, everybody? I'm Smitty from the Fantasy Football Show. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show News Edition, where we break down all the news and notes around the NFL as of July 3rd. Grant will be joining me to break down all this information, talk about the fantasy football implications of all the pieces of news that we dish out to you. Let's go. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show. What's up, Grant? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Doing good, man. So a little bit of news uh, kind of floating around today. Uh, David Njoku, Brown's tight end, uh, is is looking, he's demanding, his agent's demanding a trade. Um, he's got Drew Rosenhaus now handling things, who who gets things done. So uh, it would not surprise me if, if something wasn't, you know, something didn't go down very quickly with Drew Rosenhaus controlling this. But there's talk about uh, the Cowboys, New England Patriots being landing spots for, for David Njoku. What are your thoughts on him as a player? And what do you think about like what landing spot would be most beneficial for him or fantasy owners? Well, that's a great question. Um, first of all, on Njoku, I think he's got a ton of talent. Um, I think as a general rule of thumb, the Browns are a dumpster fire of an organization. I don't think he's been used, you know, probably to his best potential. But having said that, he was a first-round talent. He's got he, – he can make plays. Um, but having said that, you know Rosenhaus is going to get him somewhere. That's just what he does. He's one of the best agents in the industry. If he were to go to the Patriots, we all know Belichick loves his tight end. So he'd probably be the fifth or sixth, you know, addition on that roster. But he'd probably be the best addition on that roster. He could make an instant impact with Cam if they could – because Cam and Greg Olson had a great rapport – in Carolina, if he could get, go to um, New England and have that same rapport again with Cam, man, he could jump up to be a top five, six tight end pretty pretty easily because we all know Belichick loves his tight ends. So that could be a pretty good fantasy implication right there. Yeah, and, and I forget what the exact stat was. I wish I had it in front of me. But but Njoku taking out last season, which was, was a nothing burger for him, but like through 2017, 2018, his first two years, he was one of the quicker developing tight ends in terms of stats, believe it or not, for his age because he's very, very young. Very young. Um, 23 years old. So uh, people think he came along slow. For tight ends, he actually didn't. He was actually on a pretty fast pace for, for those stats uh, accruing. So I, I think he's got a lot of upside. I think there's talk about the Cowboys, like I mentioned, and I think that in Dallas it's not looking like the best spot in my opinion he'd be more so a, a body a emergency type situation for them i think Correct. with with jarwin just signed i believe a four-year deal they're not they're not looking to just shove Njoku right into that spot they're going to be like oh we'll use both of them now the browns do historically or at least stefanski i should say historically does use two tight ends so i'm not sure what's going on they're behind the scenes that's making Njoku just have this like, you know, reaction of I need to get out of here when when he probably would be used uh, quite a bit in Cleveland if he stayed. But he's clearly not happy. Um, he clearly feels offended that uh, that they brought in Hooper. So I, I don't know. What, what do you think about if he did stay and maybe why he doesn't want to stay? I think that if he were to stay, because Stefanski loves to run 12 personnel. Like, he just loves it. Like, look what he did last year with Cook uh, and Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph. That obviously was a great system. But Stefanski wants to run the ball. He wants to pound the rock over and over and over. So I don't think – I think his target share obviously is going to decrease with Hooper there. 
But, again, I think he wants to be out because he wants to catch passes and score touchdowns. And in Stefanski's offense, there's just so many balls that have to go around between Jarvis Landry and, and Odell Beckham and everything. I just don't think he's going to get very much volume. And I think from that standpoint, he feels slighted that he was like, hey, my, my talent is to, to stretch the field. I'm a freak athlete. And I'm not having the opportunity to show off my skill set as opposed to being a 12 personnel and blocking nonstop. So I think that's probably why he's feeling slighted. And, and on top of that, just to piggyback off that, the the Brown or Stefanski specifically, he does so much running. Everything is funneled through the running game. And that's they di- dial back pass attacks wherever he goes. And the pass attack definitely doesn't you know evolve as, as much as people think. They just take away from that, that passing attack and funnel it all through the running back. So there's a there you're right there's there's probably less chance that Hooper and and Joku can survive and 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 make one of them relevant. I think one of them needs to leave for one of them to be relevant. Right. Uh, so it, it, so I, I hope he doesn't go to Dallas. I hope it is New England because in New England he would I think thrive or at least have an opportunity to thrive if he can stay healthy. I think Cam Cam's in a Cam's going to be in a spot where he's going to want to have a security blanket tight end like. And Joku, and it would be it would be pretty good. So I think uh, hopefully that's how how it goes down. I'm pretty sure it will, and uh, that's going to be my prediction is that he does land. Yeah, and... I think that's going to be a great spot for him to land there if he can land there. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all. It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah. Uh, other news kind of floating around right now. Um, Antonio Brown. There's a shot that the Seahawks signed free agent Antonio Brown. That's been kind of buzzed for a little while now. Uh, the Ravens were another thought. He's been working out with, with different quarterbacks, kind of making people jump to conclusions. But I'm not sure exactly, to be honest with you, I haven't looked into it too much, what uh, what kind of suspension he's potentially looking at for that pleading no contest with that, that delivery driver. Um, I don't think anybody knows for certain anyway, but I, I think there's a chance that any team that signs him is going to be looking at a, a potential suspension for him um, to start off the year. Now, in redraft, and that's not for sure, but in redraft, he – is, is worth a grab. Like I'm grabbing him in double digit rounds and I'm grabbing him when I'm really not super interested in any of the players that are left. And I'm like, damn, who do I take at this point? Like, why not take a chance on Antonio Brown? But what are your thoughts on, on him playing? Do you, do you think there's a, do you think there's a shot at him coming back? And do you foresee a suspension by the NFL? As far as the suspension goes, I think that there's no doubt he'll have, he'll face some form of suspension. Now Goodell is judge, jury and ex- executioner. So there's no telling what he's going to do. He could wake up one morning and say, oh, two games. He could wake up one morning and say eight games. There's no rhyme or reason between how Goodell likes to suspend players. So that kind of bothers me too. But for your second point for redraft, you're absolutely right. Once you get to round probably 10 or 11, even 12 or 13, he's a great flyer. Because he's in those picks, and once you start getting into the later rounds, those, those are the picks that can win you a lead. You know, that's that you, you might hit a home run because it, but it also costs you virtually nothing. So I think it's absolutely a good idea because if he were to come out, say he sits out four to six games, 
gets a couple games on the under his feet, those last eight games, seven, nine games of the season during the, you know, especially in the fantasy playoffs, that can win you a league. You could have a potential art, a wide receiver one, depending on his landing spot, for basically for just a, a bench spot. So I think it's a great draft him in the later rounds. What's nice about Antonio Brown is that that based on pre-rank lists, so if you're drafting on whatever draft app that you're drafting on, more than likely his pre-rank value is going to be super low. So a lot of times people forget he's even there because people are unprepared. Um, their cheat sheets only go so deep, and some cheat sheets don't even have them on there. Right. And bottom line is you get to like round 12 or 13 and you see a Brown, and you're like, oh, crap, you know, I totally forgot he's even there. Like, pay attention to your pre-ranked list. Make sure he doesn't pop up within that first scroll of players. Once he shows up within that first scroll, somebody's going to get a cute idea and say, I'm grabbing Antonio Brown. So make sure you know where he's at on, on your, your queue, your pre-ranked list. But also in best ball, he's an ideal candidate to draft because yep. it doesn't matter if he doesn't show up for eight, nine games. If he ever returns to elite form for even five, six games, whatever, at any point, or if, even if he plays week seven through 12, gets suspended or walks out on his team in week 12, like he could do, it doesn't matter. Best ball decides for you who your optimal lineup is each week. And this is the kind of guy that's a difference maker in best ball. So definitely, I think, grab him in best ball drafts. I completely agree with that. NFLPA continues to recommend no preseason games be played ahead of the 2020 season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, this is all guesswork. Let me preface that and, and start off by saying no one knows, A, what the heck's going to happen. But but more importantly, no one can predict how COVID's going to spread, change, affect things. Like uh, in different states, Arizona, California, it's, it's really bad. In other states, it's not anymore. And New, New York's getting better. Um, from what I hear. And so you've got opinions all over the map. People are giving opinions based on their region and where they're at and what they're seeing. But the bottom line is this thing could spread like crazy again and shut things down. Other sports could could really be uh, uh, trouble for the NFL because if they fail at, at, at staving this thing off and it spreads within a stadium or, or staff, then it could really shut down just like the NBA shut down the NCAA uh, the NFL could definitely be looking at a problem if other other sports don't handle this well. So it's really hard to predict. But I think no preseasons probably. I don't know. Do you think that's smart? It gives it gives more time to to really let this thing it's, kind of. Yeah, I think as far as COVID goes, it's probably a smart idea to to, to cancel a couple preseason games just to try to slow it down and kind of see what happens. But from a football standpoint, these guys have got to have practice. They can't – there's no way they can show up with no preseason and on day one just start playing. You're talking about the amount of injuries that are going to happen um, to these guys. I mean, it's – I think it's just a lot of people don't understand what it takes to be a professional athlete and then the, the injury risk that, that happens. So I'd like to see them keep at least one, ideally two preseason games. I know they've already canceled two. Um, 
but I, I really think they need at least a game or two to prepare or at least maybe extend um, training camp. Instead of having the games per se, you're going to have to at least they'll be in, in training camp there and just have game-like simulations because getting in football shape is completely different than running routes in your backyard. Yeah, and, and if, if, if you really think about the preseason and what it entails, like it's literally – one game where the starters really go all out or that's correct go out. so so if you do cut it down to one game that it's still going to work the same and, and it'll be the younger guys that don't don't get a shot to try and make the team and that yeah well that's that's life <laughs> but but at least have the one game i think you're right that will create that sense of of you know this is what let me remind my body what it's like to get hit and yeah. and just get in a groove but my my concern is the nfl should have i think they got greedy and just tried to say, we're going to start on time. We're going to have 16 games. The smart play would have been to, to be proactive and predictive with it and, and to just maybe even create a 10-game season and start it like near October and just give their, give give this thing more cushion room. I just feel like they, they, they're trying to shove it in and it could, it could cost us the whole year. I feel more confident that the season will start and be halted at some point, then it will be canceled. I think that the odds of them playing week one are, are probably high. Um, and, I, and I think that they will start week one. And I think one of the main driving forces is that, you know, money pretty much controls all. There's too many trillions of dollars with the T involved in the NFL, which would then trickle down into college football. And, you know, you always had that big trickle down effect. They're not going to want to mess with the money pipeline. So I think, in my opinion, the NFL is going to force its way into existence and just kind of just say, look, we've got to start the season. Let's see what happens and go from there. Cause I just think that at the end of the day, there's just so much money involved that they're not, they just can't take off. They just can't cancel the season. Yeah. But if I would have come to you in November and said, Grant, the NCAA tournament is going to completely be canceled. You would have been like, you are absolutely insane. Like there's, there's zero chance that that would happen. There's too many money ramifications to that. So I I hear you, but the pressure of the media and political pressures and stuff like anything, anything's possible. I do. I do believe the NFL is the most capable sport out of them all of saying, screw the political ramifications. Like I do feel like we, as bad as Roger Goodell is for so many other things, this is the right man for the job to to, to make sure the NFL starts. I feel like he's he's definitely going to be uh, pushing for it no matter what. So, uh, yeah, it's tough. So your prediction is we do start on time. Do you think we'll have stoppage at any point, or do you think that we'll just kind of through no fans? I think uh, I think my head says yeah we'll have some form of stoppage. My heart says no. <laughs> nobody yeah. wants it to stop, but I think realistically, I think we'll get back into it. And I think you'll have a few guys get it. And I think once a few guys get it from per team, I think they'll eventually it'll they'll have to shut it down. Unfortunately. Yeah, because if you think about if one team gets it, everyone's saying, "Well, they isolate that player." Well, not necessarily because that player is exposing all the other players, and those other players are then going to go on the field. And so, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say that that one player can just be removed and the whole thing can continue on. It's like that ex, that 10 day exposure. And I don't know if they're 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 in the NBA. They have these smart rings that the players wear. It takes their temperature um, mm-hmm. constantly monitors the vitals. I think that's a great idea. I think the NBA's far more likely to screw this up for everybody because of the close contact, the licking of the ball when you're shooting a free throw like this isn't. 
the NBA is going to be really, really hard, uh, in my opinion, to to get out of this thing. Yeah. And I think the NBA is going to end up being the catalyst to see kind of what's moving forward for all sports because they've got them so isolated in a bubble that if that they've, they've taken every precaution to try to sanitize everything and keep them in, in their bubble city down in Orlando, that I think that if that fails, inevitably everything else is going to, it, you know, they're the, the cookie will crumble from them. Yeah. It's, uh, Cam Newton. Uh, I know this has been kind of all over and we've, I pretty much talked talked about it a ton, but I thought I'd ask you, uh, where do you rank him heading into 2020 now that he's a New England Patriot? Is he ahead of any one of Tom Brady, A-Rod, or Breeze? You wouldn't be crazy to rank him ahead of one of those guys. I personally cannot put Cam there. Cam has been – I'm not saying Cam can't rebound and become a really good uh, quarterback again, even top 10. He potentially could, but I think it's going to take him a little time and best ball, I like him because I think at some point he could be playing in the top five to eight level, but it might be like mid-season on or like week 10 on, something like that, and that's why best ball, he's perfect. But I think I think it's crazy, in my opinion, when people have him like top five already, top six, when you have so many other quarterbacks that, are, that haven't had this time off, aren't going to learn a new offense. There's still some questions about his supporting cast being – you know, if you look at who he's he's got compared to like a Breeze or compared to a Brady, obviously Brady has way more talent. Or even A-Rod, who, yes, has a thin wide receiver core, but he also has Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. I, I think he's got more weapons than Cam. Where do you rank him? What are your predictions for Cam? In All right, so I just updated my rankings yesterday, and I've got him currently sitting at 16 right behind Daniel Jones and right ahead of Jared Goff. So, so far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to believe behind. Obviously, he's a former MVP. He's got all the talent in the world. The problem is he doesn't have much talent, in my opinion, around him. You know, Nikhil Harry has not come into his own. Edelman's, what, 32, 33 now? He's kind of long in the tooth. I just don't think they have a lot of explosive pay, playmakers. And then you also have to factor in his health. Is he really healthy? You know, they said that the shoulder was, was okay coming into last year, and then all of a sudden the list ranked. And you just don't ever know with him. He, I mean, he's 6'5", 250. That's a lot of weight, and he likes to play physical. So if he can stay healthy, I think that Belichick and Josh McDaniels are going to use him in a way to where he could end up being top five. He could. I just think the risk outweighs the reward from trying to draft him like a QB1, though. Last question I have for you. Uh, well, let me give you a side note, and then I'll ask you the question you can answer both if you want. But Debo Samuel, athletic uh, athletics Matt uh, Burrows is reporting the Debo Samuel's foot. He's dealing with a classic Jones fracture, um, quote unquote classic, which apparently is a two week uh, better type situation for him. So the timetable for recovery is 10 to 12 versus 12 to 16, which was initially reported. So he could be on the verge of, of being close to ready for week one, week two, week three. Uh, Debo Samuel, what are your thoughts on him? And then Love Bell. These are two guys I think are going to be overlooked walking into drafts from this point on. Love Bell uh, has been reportedly training like a madman this offseason. When you look at some weird statistical uh, breakdowns on Love Bell, he surprisingly pops out as a guy that was pretty productive, like in yak yards, yards after catch. He was very high in the NFL last year. He's he's in a, a black hole 
of a situation for running backs and, and Gase and, and literally couldn't be a worse situation for him when I think he does have one elite year left. Like if he went to Tampa Bay, if he went somewhere else, he'd literally be a top five running back for at least one more season. I think he's still got that talent left. It's just masqueraded in this this version of Love Bell that, you know, we don't know what what he's got left. We can't see it. The Jets won't let him become the player I think he, he can become for one or two more years. What are your thoughts on both of those guys? Um, man, that's good news for Debo. Um, it's going to hurt Brandon Ayuk's drafts, but I, I really think Debo could break out this year, being barring that he's completely healthy and gets back in. Um, I just think that's going to be a really good situation for him coming back. And then um, Le'Veon Bell is really intriguing. I am all over Le'Veon Bell this year. I really think that Adam Gates will finally not Adam Gates running back. I think they'll give him the rock. They just drafted a new left tackle. They went out and signed a right guard. They have they are shoring up this line. Um, I think Rashad Perriman will probably fit in really well in that offense. I really think that Le'Veon Bell could really bust out, and I'm actually really really high on him. And then then the uh, the ninety sixteen battle of the pimps. I think I ended up getting him in like the fourth round and was super stoked about it. Yeah, he. I mean, and here's, let me pull up the stat here. There's a stat here, 2019 running back consistency ratings. Uh, Love Bell was number. What was he number? He was number one, which is which is crazy, according to this list right here. Two point two point four seven two point two four seven. Cream Hunt was point two eight three. Zeke Elliott was point three zero two. The lower number, the better. Uh, Tariq Cohen. That's surprising. He was that high. Uh, McCaffrey, no surprise there, being in the top five at .319. Dalvin Cook, no surprise there at .337. But, wow, I mean, Lev Bell, like I said, there's just a number of different stats that, that show that he was actually efficient last year. Yak Yards, top 15. Uh, consistency rating, he's up there with the top five. Um, I, I, I just feel like he is definitely a steal. If he falls to you, where, where would you take him? What's the highest you take Love Bell? So I actually have been doing a lot of mocks lately, and the highest, and I've been drafting in the, the three spot a lot lately. And depending on where people fall, I wouldn't have a problem taking him mid third. Uh, I think mid third, you're, it is a risk. I'm not saying it's not, but I think that can be a risk that really, really pays off. And I don't think your you're draft, I don't think you're giving up too much draft capital in the middle of the third for the, for the reward that you're going to get with him. Okay, let's let's pull up his ADP. His PPR ADP as of right now is three point oh eight. So that sounds about where That's you're taking him. Yeah, yeah. So I I think you could still on occasion get him as like your fourth drafted player, and I think if that happens, it's like a no brainer at that point because you're talking about I like Calvin Ridley. Don't get me wrong, I like Calvin Ridley in the fourth round. I like you know Cooper Cup as as some intrigue, Jonathan Taylor. Mark Andrews, Mostert, Singletary, Woods. Those are all guys going right in that range, and there's nothing wrong with any of those guys. But I think Lev Bell feels very low risk and worth a shot at that range. If it's like 3.4, 3.3, now you're talking where Mike Evans could fall. Kenny Galladay sometimes falls there. Kittle, Kelsey, I'm, I'm taking all those guys over Lev Bell. Agreed. Um, once you get to Juju, Connor, Odell, A. Rob, yeah, that's Carson. definitely the breakover point. Yeah, Carson. Um, you know, 
even even Jonathan Taylor, like I said, that's where you start saying to yourself, okay, not in every league. Don't put all your eggs in one basket for any player. That goes for all my breakouts, like even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, don't load up every single team you have with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because I'm predicting breakout. Or A.J. Brown, don't go loading every team up with A.J. Brown. Things happen. Injuries happen. Um, but Love Bell in one or two of your 55 leagues you do, Grant, I think is worth a shot. Completely agree on that. So you were you had mentioned Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I got a question for you. I've been mulling this over uh, as as a possible draft strategy. Say you're you're in the 12 spot or 11 spot, and at the end of the third, early fourth, what's your opinion on taking both Robert Woods and Cooper Cup on your team? Um, I don't like that idea. There's certain wide receivers I could do that with. I could do that with Evans and Godwin. I could do that with Brady, Evans, and Godwin all on the same team. I could do. Uh, Michael Hardman and and Tyreek Hill and Mahomes. Hell, I, I in one draft I took Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. I'm rolling with the all KC team just to see if it'll work. I did it with uh, Peyton Manning and the Broncos one year and cleaned up with it. Uh, I did it with with Randy Moss um, and Brady back in the Randy Moss days in, in New, New England. It cleaned up with that. People make fun of that approach, but I think it's totally doable. And, it, and I love whenever I can do it with a team and an offense like that, I try it that every year that there's, there's one available to do it, do it like that. Um, but Woods and Cup, they rotated last year. It was, it was the Cup show the entire first half of the year. Where's Robert Woods? Robert Woods was nowhere really to be found. Then they switch. And Robert Woods tears it up and Cup kind of vanishes. That to me indicates, and I know Cooks is gone, but that to me indicates that there's probably only room because Cooks wasn't all that, you know, wasn't hogging up a ton last year anyway. So that that to me shows that there's probably only room for one guy to thrive. And I don't know that I want to take the chance that you'd even get it wrong each week if you're if you had both of them and you're like, okay, I can't start both of them anymore. I'm getting killed. And then you got to choose between which one each week. I don't know. It just seems a little bit – if it was a different offense, it, it would make sense to me. But the Rams – I'm probably the wrong guy to ask because the Rams are so disappointing on so many levels to me, especially with how they choose to use their running backs. Yep. And, and I feel bad for a lot of people that think Cam Akers is going to just walk into the starting lineup in 2020 because we just were, were proved that, that this team isn't going to lean on a rookie running back. Rookie running backs are going to take a while to develop anyway. And so I just stay away. I pretty much stay away from all Ram players in 2020, to be completely honest with you. I'll take Daryl Henderson really, really late because I think the talent's there. The risk is absolutely zero when he falls into like round 14. Um, and I still think the talent's there. But I trust that situation almost zero. I like Higby. I even worry about Higby. I worry about do they understand how good Higby could be I just feel like I want to stay away from the Rams. That makes sense. Yeah, I really think that for whatever reason, Sean McVay is just enthralled with Gerald Everett, and Higby is just shown over and over. But they keep saying that they want to go back into 12 personnel and two tight ends, and they want to feed Gerald Everett the rock. I'm just sitting there laughing going, man, you've got a guy in Tyler Higby who came on late last year, improved himself, give him a chance, and it just doesn't seem that Sean McVay really wants to do that for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh so that we're gonna end it with that and then um next next pod we're do you mind talking about mid round wide receivers? We'll, we'll we'll say like anything past round four. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right guys.
You're listening to the Fantasy Football Show. 